Will Michigan quarterback J.J. McCarthy rise up to be the Falcons' next franchise quarterback, or is he too similar to their last one in Desmond Ritter? You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everyone, to another illustrious episode of the Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with a winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to get started. So, guys, if you don't know me, I'm your very humble host, Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for far too long. Formerly at Falcfans.com, RIP. Still going strong on this illustrious podcast. And I think each and every one of you that is in every day or of this podcast that makes it your first listen or your first watch of the day. And all you got to do to become an everyday or is subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So today's episode, we will answering a later listener question that's been, you know, at the bottom of the mailbag for basically a month about if there's any sort of worthwhile lessons that we can learn um, in terms of evaluating quarterbacks from this postseason. Uh, but we'll get started with a mock draft Monday, our first truly fully official mock draft Monday of the offseason. We've dabbled with some mock drafts and, and whatnot over the last month or two, I think going back to even the bye week uh, in November. But we'll be breaking down Ben Solak's mock draft uh, of the ringer, uh, and we'll focus primarily on his pick for the Atlanta Falcons to start things off, but we'll look at some of the other picks a little bit later, but you know, he had the bears taking Caleb Williams quarterback out of USC, number one, Washington and number two, taking Jaden Daniels quarterback out of LSU three, new England, taking Drake may quarterback, North Carolina four, Arizona, taking Marvin Harrison, wide receiver, Ohio state five, the chargers taking Joe alt offensive tackle, Notre Dame, Six, the Giants taking Rome Adunze, the wide receiver out of Washington. Seven, the Titans taking Olu Fashano, the offensive tackle from Penn State. Eight, the Falcons snagging J.J. McCarthy, the quarterback out of Michigan. Nine, the Bears getting Malik Neighbors, the wide receiver out of LSU. And 10, the Jets getting Brock Bowers, the tight end out of Georgia. So as I said, we'll analyze some of those other picks a little bit later, but let's talk about J.J. McCarthy. Right. And we talked about, I think, almost exactly a month ago on this podcast um, when we were breaking down the quarterback position from 2023, mentioned how J.J. McCarthy had the potential to rise up boards and could potentially be the Falcon selection at eight a month ago. And so anybody that's an everyday of this podcast, seeing a mock draft that has the Falcon selecting McCarthy at eight isn't shocking based off of the rhetoric you've heard on this podcast for the last four weeks, including having Trevor Sikkim of Pro Football Focus on the pod early last week talking about J.J. McCarthy's potential rise as well. So, you know, in addition to that, the Locked on Falcons insiders uh, also saw me break down J.J. McCarthy's film last week, right? Um, this week, they also saw me break down Caleb Williams's film. And next week, they'll see Drake May. And then the week after that, Jaden Daniels. I've already done Michael Penix Jr. out of Washington, the quarterback there. And so if you want to become a Locked On Falcons insider, you'll get access to all these film breakdowns of these various prospects all season long, 
all off season long, I should say, as well as potentially the film breakdowns during the upcoming season. But you also get one on one access with me. And all you got to do to join to become a Locked On Falcons insider is hit that link in the description below at joinsubtext.com slash locked on Falcons. And you get 14 days free, right? When you sign up, right? So that means you're going to get Caleb Williams, Drake May, and Jaden Daniels for free if you sign up today, right? Um, and then you can decide whether after that 14 day free trial, whether or not you want to keep subscribing for $4.99 a month after that point. So go check it out if you're interested in my sort of film breakdown of JJ McCarthy. But basically, if you don't, if you decide not to sign up, I, in general, I, I have a positive opinion of JJ McCarthy. He, he's grown on me over the course of this cycle. That's kind of the been the through line for a lot of people is like, oh, like I watched JJ McCarthy expecting a certain thing and he kind of grew on me the more and more I watched him. But I know, as I've mentioned several times on the podcast, he's going to be polarizing, especially the Falcon fans, because I think in a lot of ways, the selling points on JJ McCarthy are going to be very similar to the selling points that the Falcons were pushing a year ago on Desmond Ritter, right? The Falcons and myself on this podcast, right? And you look at what JJ McCarthy was able to do at Michigan this past year. In a lot of ways, it was very reminiscent of what we thought Desmond Ritter would be able to do in Atlanta this past year, right? Asking him to manage a game. It's an offense that's built around the run game, right? Two-headed backfield at Michigan, two-headed backfield in Atlanta, two good tight ends as well at Michigan, one good receiver, same thing here in Atlanta. And J.J. McCarthy in that offense was able to make the plays that guided Michigan to an undefeated national championship season. Meanwhile, Desmond Ritter was not able to make the plays uh, to guide the Falcons to the postseason berth. Uh, But both guys weren't carrying their offense. You know, you're hoping that J.J. McCarthy can do more of that as an upgrade over Desmond Ritter. And there's potential there with J.J. McCarthy. He's young, right? He showed a lot of growth from his true sophomore year in 2022 to his true junior year this past year in 2023. You like to see that. We didn't really see Desmond Ritter make that, you know, a comparable jump until his junior to senior year at Cincinnati. Um, and so if you're looking at that as a one-to-one, it's like, okay, it is a little bit more promising to see J.J. McCarthy make a similar jump uh, from a sophomore to junior year at a younger age. And that's going to be one of the selling points with J.J. McCarthy, his youth, right? He just finished his age 20 season. Uh, he turned 21 back in January. And Ritter just completed his 20, age 24 season in the NFL. Um, and it's basically begs the question, okay, what is J.J. McCarthy going to be in three years when he's 24? And he gets the idea of with NFL development, working in an NFL offense, all that stuff, that he's going to be significantly a better prospect at 24 than Desmond Ritter was at the at the same age this past year, right? That's kind of the selling point on J.J. McCarthy. But, you know, it does raise questions about concerns about upside and ceiling and all that stuff. And I wouldn't necessarily project J.J. McCarthy to be a top five pick. I would probably project him probably at best in that sort of maybe a borderline top 10 guy in that eight to 12 range that Matt Ryan made a career out of being it's the same sort of ceiling I projected for Desmond Ritter. Ultimately when um, he is fully developed uh, in terms of what I thought he could be as well. Um, Obviously we're probably not in that timeline where where Desmond Ritter turns into that. Um, You know, that's an alternate uh, reality uh, in that regard. But I think in a similar ways with Desmond Ritter, if you're betting on JJ McCarthy, you're betting on the person, right? You're betting, on you know the intangibles right because you're not going to sit there and watch the film and see all these tangible things they're like oh jj mccarthy does x y and z at an extremely high level it's a lot of intangible stuff and that was you know the thing that the falcons were pushing last year with, with desmond ritter um you know i, I think mccarthy's intriguing in, in for similar reasons um you know you have a relatively blank slate and you've seen flashes especially this past year 
but it's going to beg the question of nature versus nurture, right? The nature of JJ McCarthy is he sort of got that competitive drive in him, that sort of intangible quality that you look for, that alpha, whatever leader, whatever you want to call it, that you know is innate to quarterbacks, right? You know, in the same way that a Joe Burrow is in the sense that Joe Burrow isn't necessarily the most physically gifted quarterback on the planet when you just watch him, but you know, he has other things that he's able to do. Not to say that Joe Burrow has like poor tools or anything like that. He, you know, he's an incredibly accurate quarterback, but that's a separate conversation. But, you know, that's sort of the questions about J.J. McCarthy. Does he have that similar nature, right? And then when you look at the nurture aspect of it, if you're the Falcons or really any team, whether it's the Falcons or somebody else, like you're betting on that we're going to have the environment that's going to be able to foster whatever that nature is that J.J. McCarthy uh, seemingly may or may not possess. And so that is going to be the the big question with J.J. McCarthy, and that's why it's going to be he's probably going to be a harder sell for a lot of folks because compared to other quarterbacks, right, like, you you know, what, you know, I can't sit here and come on a podcast and be like, oh, you know, I know all these things about J.J. McCarthy. Like, you're not going to be able to be able to tell that. That's why they're intangible, so to speak. So he's a projection. It makes him, you know, a little bit more riskier than maybe some other guys that where they have that clear-cut, tangible skill set that you say that's special, that's unique, that's great, you know, which is, I think, what we would say about the top three quarterbacks in this draft class. But that's going to be a hard selling point. Now, Again, I think J.J. McCarthy is a realistic option. I've mentioned before that I think he's got plan C for the Falcons, potentially. Potentially. Again, it's early in the process. We'll see how it all plays out. But if you've missed those episodes when we talked about what the various Falcons plans are, again, this is just my guess, my semi-educated guess at this point in time in the offseason. But I think plan A would be to try to trade up for one of those top three quarterbacks. Plan B would be potentially landing Kirk Cousins should he become available. But there's certainly a reality where the, the Falcons aren't able to trade up to get their plan A and Kirk Cousins stays in Minnesota or goes elsewhere. Um, if he does hit the market and so plan B falls flat, then I think in that scenario, JJ McCarthy is going to be plan C. Um, the next plan over, say, a plan D that I've mentioned before, like Justin Fields, trading for Justin Fields. And that personally, and again, I'm sure many of you guys will disagree with this assessment, and I'm sure I'll see it in the comments and elsewhere. I personally like betting on J.J. McCarthy more than I like betting on Justin Fields for you know reasons that I think McCarthy probably has a better chance of being a top 15, top 12-ish quarterback than Justin Fields does at this point in time. Again, we don't know what JJ McCarthy is going to be, but like the unknown is, is much more tantalizing to me than what we know about Justin Fields is basically what I'm saying. Um, and then you get three plus years potentially to develop JJ McCarthy versus one year of hoping it all comes together for Justin Fields in a type of offense that traditionally, and again, we don't know 100% certainly what type of offense Zach Robbins is going to run, but if it's similar to the McVay Rams offense, you know, that, that has historically been an offense that Justin Fields has struggled in, which is, you know, a pass heavy offense that likes to attack the middle of the field. And those are not the things, the strengths of Justin Fields is offense. Like if you're going to build offense around Justin Fields, it's going to be a run heavy offense that, you know, ideally wants to attack the perimeter of uh, the field. But speaking of attacking the perimeter of the field, one potential option for the Falcons beyond JJ McCarthy that, you know, Ben Solak's mock draft could have the Falcons, uh, going after, especially if plan A or plan B come to fruition, would be taking a wide receiver like Malik Neighbors that could absolutely attack the perimeter of a football field. And that, as well as some other alternative options in terms of potentially taking the best defensive player off the board, is something that we'll explore as we continue today's mock 
Draft Monday. So football season is over, which means basketball season is here to stay, and it is time to get buckets over at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your first bet wins, and you can bet on your favorite NBA or NCAA teams or players with quick bets, live same game parlays, exclusive player props, and so much more. All you have to do is visit FanDuel.com slash locked on today to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to shoot your shot. FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NBA. So continuing today's Locked On Falcons, I want to plug the Locked On Sports Today 24-7 streaming channel here on YouTube, the first of its kind, giving you all the local expertise that Locked On is famous for, as, as well as covering the biggest stories for all the national leagues and national shows all on one platform. Check it out on YouTube or Amazon Fire TV. And if you're looking for more local flavor, check out Locked On Sports Atlanta's 24-7 streaming channel here on YouTube as well. So um, looking at Ben's other mock draft, and now we'll get into analyzing the, the rest of the top 10. That is interesting, right? You know, probably the first thing that stands out is having Jaden Daniels being selected over Drake May, number two overall for the, the commanders. And I'm sure locked on commanders can certainly provide a lot more insight into the viability of this, but certainly that has been something that has been gathering more steam lately, you know? Personally, and again, these aren't final evaluations, but at least, you know, probably over the next two or so weeks, I'll probably get like 80 to 90% towards final evaluation of these quarterbacks. But, um, you know, right now for me personally, I think the gap, I, I think J- Jaden Daniels is closer to JJ McCarthy on a, from a talent standpoint, well, maybe not from a talent, as a prospect than he is to Drake May. And so if the commanders do wind up taking Daniels number two, you know, to me, that would be a a major reach personally, but um, it's going to be an interesting off season. Right. And, you know, that potentially opens the door to Drake may to fall out of the top three. Um, You know, especially if new England decides to go in a different direction or wants to pick up the phone to pick up, you know, the, for a trade, you know, I'm not going to be complaining about that. Although later in the episode, we'll talk about why trading up isn't necessarily um, historically that successful, but we'll save that to later. But certainly I would be in very intrigued by Drake May trading up for Drake May. That, that would, that would make my dreams come true. Um, you know, someone, you know, I know, I know we've done a lot of Kirk Cousins content on the podcast and I know one person watching the the, the episodes came to the conclusion that, Kirk Cousins would be my preferred choice. He wouldn't be, um, but Drake May would be my preferred choice, right? No, Caleb Williams would technically be my preferred choice for the Falcons' next quarterback, but I know there's a 0.0001% chance of that happening, at least with Drake May. At least theoretically, it's like a 12% chance that he could be the next Falcons quarterback. So that that seems at least a lot more plausible to me in terms of realistic options for the Falcons. But that's a conversation for a future day. Now, looking at the rest of Ben Solak's Mock the first four picks seem to be the consensus on the majority of mocks. It's going to be Caleb Williams, Jaden Daniels, Drake May, and Marvin Harrison Jr. in some order, right? Now, number five, Ben has the Chargers, probably the first, the next curveball after taking Jaden Daniels over Drake May, 
which is what the point of all that to say was, I don't think that's as big a curveball today as it might've seemed a month ago. Um, and we'll see if that continues to be a curveball. But the next big curveball is having the Chargers take a tackle in Joe Alt. Um, and I know the majority of mocks up to the now have had the Chargers taking a pass catcher, but I do think with the hiring of Jim Harbaugh, the chances of them going O-line at five shot up tremendously. Um, and then the other thing that stood out about Ben's mock, and this is probably going to be pretty common for a lot of mocks this offseason, are all 10 of the top 10 players selected are offensive players. And we mentioned before in talking about the Falcons' potential options in round one is that the Falcons are probably the best bet to be the first team to take a defensive player off the board. That It's very likely that the first seven picks are going to be offensive players, but we'll see how you know that shakes out. Um, and... You know, for in Ben's mock, the first defensive player was pick number 11. That was the Minnesota Vikings selecting Toledo cornerback, Quinion Mitchell. And if you guys recall, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we, we spent a lot of time talking about Quinion Mitchell as one of the, the standouts of the senior bowl. If, if there was one player that stood out the most at the senior bowl, it was arguably Quinion Mitchell, uh, who was like, you know, I would I would have personally argued was the practice player of the week, uh, if you ask me. But um What's interesting in this mock draft is even though the offense dominates the top 10, the defense dominates the middle 10, right? Seven of the next 10 picks, starting with pick 11, um, wind up being defensive players. And that includes Dallas Turner, the edge rusher out of Alabama, who Ben has going 16 to Seattle, but we've mentioned before as a guy that could potentially be the first defensive player off the board for the Falcons at pick eight. And I'm expecting once we get past the combine Turner will sort of become the consensus edge one in this draft class over players like Eliatu Latu of UCLA and Jared verse of Florida state. I think uh, Ben had Latu going one or two spots ahead of uh, Turner in this draft. And, and first I think it was like 22 in his mock or something like that. But we talked a little bit briefly about Dallas Turner and I'm sure we'll talk plenty more about him over the next two plus months, uh, you know, and his fit, as a sort of edge rusher in this three, four scheme. Now there is an argument, you know, beyond just edge rusher that the Falcons could go defense and take a cornerback at eight, right. With Mitchell potentially as an option, Alabama cornerback, Terry on Arnold, who goes 12 in Ben's mock right after Mitchell. I don't know if there's a particularly strong argument, at least sitting here today that the Falcons could take a quarterback in the top 10. Um, you know, given that, the expectation, and we'll see if this lives up to reality, but the expectation is that this defensive scheme under Jimmy Lake and Raheem Morris is going to feature a lot more zone coverage than the defensive scheme of, of Ryan Nielsen. And if you guys recall from previous off seasons, when Dean Pease was the DC coordinator here and people were mocking the Falcons to take a cornerback high in round one, I was si- sort of reluctant because I, I just don't think zone heavy teams put that much of a premium on, you know, having that lockdown number two corner that you would typically target with a top 10 pick, which is going to be typically those guys are going to be high level man cover corner guys. Um, and so I'm not, ex- I'm expecting this defense stylistically under Morris and Lake to be much more similar to the Dean P's style defense, not just because they're running a three, four front, but just in terms of what they want to do from a scheme standpoint on in a coverage standpoint. So we'll see what, whether or not the Falcons need at corner picks up, they do have a need at that position um, given open question marks there with Jeff Akuda's future and, and Clark Phillips and whoever else, but we'll see if that basically picks up 
you know, after free agency. Like I, I think in March we'll have a better idea of what the Falcons plan is going to be at the cornerback position uh, once we get through there over the next month or so. But the other player that's worth picking up mentioning as a potential Falcons option at eight is Malik neighbors who went nine in Ben's mock. And, you know, I think it's very easy to imagine an alternate scenario where the Falcons do solidify their quarterback position in March with an addition like Kirk cousins or Russell Wilson or Justin Fields or whoever else uh, that the Falcons think they should target over with JJ McCarthy. And if the draft were to fall the way that Ben projects it, the Falcons could be taking the league neighbors at eight over uh, JJ McCarthy. I think that would be a home run pick, right? You know, I don't know exactly when the first time Malik neighbors name was dropped on, on this illustrious podcast. My guess is it was probably like in May or June of last year when we were in, indulging in our Corey Davis watch. Right. And like, I, you know, if, if I didn't mention him on the podcast, I was certainly thinking about him while I was talking about those things. Cause it was way back then that I was like looking at him as a future Falcon. Right. I remember, the day that Corey Davis retired back in August or whenever that was September. And like my first tweet after that was like, Hey, have you guys watched Malik neighbors? Right? Like it was, it immediately was like, we went from Corey Davis watch to Malik neighbors watch uh, at least in my mind. Um, And so like for since over that time, six plus months, whatever it's been, I've generally considered him to be a perfect number two wide receiver for this offense. Right? Not only do you get the vertical threat, that he can provide with his speed, but he's also a guy that's very dangerous with the ball in his hands and, you know, can take quick slants and, and turn them into 20 plus yard gains. And when you think about how Arthur Smith utilized um, Calvin Ridley back in 2021, which was a lot of sort of like shallow crossing routes, drag routes and whatnot, like Malik neighbors would be perfect in that sort of role. Now, obviously Arthur Smith is no longer here, and obviously, I don't know if we'd be looking at Malik Neighbors as a number two receiver, but in fact, a number one receiver now, especially coming off the monster 2023 season that he had. So good, in fact, that I think I've seen people debate on who's the best LSU wide receiver, Odell Beckham Jr., Jamar Chase, or Malik Neighbors. And I think there's a legitimate argument to be made that Malik Neighbors uh, could be you know, the best in that group, or at least the best college player of that group. Um, but you know, I know taking Neighbors at eight, is going to be criticized by certain people uh, within the fan base, especially those that have not been happy with the Falcons um, investment in skill position players. But at least this time, you know, I would imagine that's only going to happen if the Falcons find at least a decent answer at the quarterback position first and foremost, uh, like we're talking about with fields or, or cousins or somebody else along those lines. So we'll see, you know, I, I know, my guy Jarvis Davis will be inconsolable if they take an offensive player that high. But, uh, you know, that's just the way it is. Um, and the way we'll wrap up today's episode is by getting into a listener question about whether or not there's some shift in how we should evaluate quarterbacks based off of this past year's postseason results. And we'll break that down to wrap up today's Lockdown Falcons. Now, game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, comedy, music, and theater near you. They have killer last-minute deals, and so you can buy tickets in seconds right up to the start of an event. All-in prices mean you're not going to get hit with hidden fees. The see the view from your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. And don't forget game time's guarantee, which means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, they'll credit you 110% the difference. Take the guesswork out of buying tickets with game time. Download the game time app. 
create an account, use code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code locked on for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So wrapping up today's episode, we have a listener question from the Discord. Uh, it comes from Donnelly. And this he asked this question on January 16th. So I, you know, I it was buried at the bottom of the mailbag. Um, he asks, seeing how the likes of Golf, Love, and Purdy are still all still in the playoffs, is there some sort of shift going on in the NFL where the way we analyze quarterbacks is now no longer as accurate? Or is it the supporting cast in the NFL today more important than it used to be? Would we be better off just drafting two quarterbacks with late round picks and signing a veteran to mentor them instead of trying to do some blockbuster trade to move up? So a lot of things in there. The quick answer is no, I don't think there's been a shift. The second answer is I think supporting cast is just as important today as it has always been. Um, you know, this is a team sport, right? You know, we like to make it about the quarterback, but it's, it's still a team sport. And that was true in 2002, just as much as it's true in 2024. Um, as for trading up, I think you can make a compelling argument that trading up isn't worthwhile given the relatively low hit rate of a quarterback, right? Uh, we'll probably explore this more in depth further in the offseason. But if you look at the last decades of quarterback trade ups, right, on draft day, right, in terms of pre draft trades, right, that happened before the day of the draft or the night of the draft, you know, over the last decade, you have Bryce Young last year, Trey Lance in 2021, Sam Darnold in 2018. Jared Goff and Carson Wentz in 2016. Not a great hit rate, right? In terms of pre-draft. Now, day of draft trades, you have 2021 Justin Fields, 2020 Jordan Love, 2018 Josh Allen and Josh Rosen and Lamar Jackson, 2017 Mitch Trubisky, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, 2016 Paxton Lynch, 2014 Johnny Manziel and Teddy Bridgewater. Now, that's a little bit better, right? You have Allen and Mahomes are the only ones that were top 10 uh teams that traded up into the top 10 to get their guys at eight and 10 respectively for Allen's and Mahomes. So, you know, it seems like, you know, waiting till the draft night, at least based off of the last decade, seems to be the best strategy moving forward. Now trading up is a gamble, right? You're giving up potentially two or three years worth of draft assets for a player, especially at the quarterback position that maybe has a 30 to 40% chance of hitting at best. Right. Um, and it leads to questions like, you know, what, where would, where would the 49ers be if, if they hadn't drafted Brock Purdy in 2022, or they hadn't kept Jimmy Garoppolo that year, right? After trading up for Trey Lance, would they have been playing in the Super Bowl this past year? Probably not. Um, depending on, you know, whether or not you think Trey Lance would have gotten there there, but you know, I, I don't think there's anything from this off season that re- should cause anybody to sort of rethink how they think about the quarterback position. I think far too often, and this is especially true after Super Bowls, is that team people tend to push certain narratives and sort of like, oh, this is how you build a successful team because the one team that won the Super Bowl built their team this way. And the reality of the NFL, and this is always going to be true, there is no one single master blueprint to success. Uh, there's no one size fits all sort of methodology for success. It's like you, all 32 teams have to look at things and what is the best interest for their team, right? For example, like you can look at a Jordan Love and, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, does this mean that we can develop quarterbacks long-term nowadays? Maybe, sure. Like, you know, that's always been the case in the NFL that, you know, quarterbacks that take a little bit of extra seasoning, three years plus to develop, tend to work out pretty well, um, right? At least over the last 20, 25 years. But that becomes less of a reality in today's NFL, right? 
And those circumstances that allow Jordan Love to be fostered in Green Bay are not circumstances that most NFL teams could repeat, right? You know, where you had a, at the time, a 36-year-old Aaron Rodgers, who had been one of the league's best quarterbacks, if not the, continue to be the the league's best quarterback in the league, as this entrenched starter for a decade up or more at that point in time. And, you know, probably had like, I think, three or four years left on this contract, but there was maybe some concern about decline. Right. And so you drafted Jordan Love as a preemptive move, not because you thought, oh, Aaron Rodgers is going to be gone next year. It was like, okay, Aaron Rodgers could be gone in two or three years. And because Green Bay had done it before with Aaron Rodgers, like it made sense for them to do it then. But like if you look around the landscape currently in NFL, like there is no situation that would mimic that situation that had the Packers taking Jordan Love with an older Aaron Rodgers. Like the closest one would be the Rams of Matt Stafford. But if the Rams use their number one pick on a, on a quarterback this year, I don't think anybody would be thinking, oh, like he's going to sit on the bench for three years. It's like, oh yeah, because Matt Stafford's probably going to retire next year, right? So um, like the closest equivalent to what the Packers had in 2020 when they drafted Jordan Love would arguably be like the Chiefs taking a quarterback in round one with Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes is like eight years younger than, than Aaron Rodgers. So it's like one of those things where like, I think... There's really the point being that it's just like there is no sort of one size fits all and sort of like you can take lessons from it. But like if it doesn't fit the situation that your team is in, it's like whatever, you know, Um, you just got you can only do what's the best case scenario for your like there's no applicable lesson for the Falcons with, with Jordan Love. Right. I mean, maybe there would be if they sign Kirk Cousins, but even then, like Kirk Cousins is not, you know, this established player in in Atlanta like Aaron Rodgers was in Green Bay, you know? So I hope that answers your question, Donnelly. Sorry for the delay in, in getting that question answered, but that's going to do it for us here on today's Lockdown Falcons. Tomorrow, we'll do we'll talk something. We got some guests coming up later in the week, but check out Lockdown Falcons Insiders. Uh, the link, joinsubtext.com slash Lockdown Falcons. Uh, hit the link for to join the Discord if you want to have your questions answered after a month of sitting in the mail pack like Donnelly did, as well as leave a comment here on the Lockdown Falcons YouTube channel. 